3: Hello and a very warm welcome to the latest Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and Twitch. So a very good evening if you're watching along live. Our podcast is supported by our loyal Patreon community who without we wouldn't be able to make this show each week. So thank you as always. Coming up this week on the podcast, Saints got back to winning ways with an impressive 2-0 win at West Brom on Friday evening going to look back over that one. And on Tuesday night Saints were at home to play off hopefuls Hull City and North Graves from the To Hull and Back podcast. Is going to join us later to help preview that game. My name's Martin Stark, and joining me this week are Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Alfie House, senior Southampton reporter for The Daily Echo, and Glenda Lacour, writer of the blog League 1-10. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 265 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything, Southampton FC from dedicated saints insight to exclusive interviews live on youtube every sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts this is the total saints podcast First up is the weekly shout to the Patreon community whose monthly contributions support our show. There are four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And as well as supporting the podcast, each of the tiers has different perks. You get access to an ad-free version of the podcast. There's the TSP t-shirts and the merch bundles that we do. There's the FPL and you get access to some of the TSP events as well. Now, the ad-free version of the podcast is available on Spotify now, so if you link your Spotify and your Patreon accounts, you can listen to the ad-free pod directly through the Spotify app. And earlier this month, you might recall, we launched the New Look TSP Shop. If you're a Patreon, you get a personal discount code to use. There's hoodies, t-shirts and mugs, loads more things coming in the next few weeks as well. If you want to take a look, it's shop.totalsaints.co.uk. And if you'd like to get involved in supporting TSP each month, just head over to Patreon dot com forward slash total saints podcast for more details all the links are in the podcast show notes and you'll find them in the youtube description as well now just a quick reminder that we did record an extra midweek podcast on thursday that's where we covered off the bristol city game we're not going to gloss over it tonight we have kind of done that one and, and put it to bed there were some bits about jason wilcox in there as well so do check that out in all the usual places Bounce-back ability, I think, was the buzzword on Friday night as Saints got back to winning ways with a decent 2-0 win away at West Brom. Alfie, we kind of questioned how the team would respond and we weren't too sure, but uh, it turned out all right on Friday in the end.
4: Yeah, I don't know what your predictions were um, on the Thursday night pod, but I think we were all a bit worried just simply because West Brom are such a good side at home. Obviously, Tuesday wasn't a brilliant performance. You know, Russell Martin came out afterwards and said it wasn't very far of being a good performance, but he actually said on uh, on Friday, that he's watched back um, what he said, and actually he was wrong. It, w- it wasn't a good performance at all. So, I think um, you know we were all a little worried about that. You know, West Brom had conceded just one goal in their last five home games, all of which they'd won. But the you know the, the performance was was excellent, and the response was absolutely brilliant. You know, apart from ten minutes before halftime, where it was a little bit worrying. They were sort of constantly. You know, firing in down that left and getting balls into the box. Jack Stevens had to clear one off the line. Um, you know, a couple of seconds after a potential handball penalty. But other than that, it was it was brilliant. You know, two bits of quality have won it again. Um, you know, Ryan Fraser's finish is so nice, and then the subs that they can bring on is such a you know a luxury, isn't it? Really, that sixty-minute to seventy-five-minute period was for me where they really rubber stamp the three points because Mm. they'd had next to no control of the game um, in the last sort of 15 or 30 minutes really because they'd had about 40% of the ball and then 50% of the ball in two 15-minute periods. They brought those three subs on, um, Joe Revo, David Brooks and uh, the other ones lost me so I do apologise. And then after that they had 80% Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, excellent in the build-up for the goal as well. And they had 80% of the ball in that time and they just sort of Ran West Brom ragged and they sort of deserve, they you know, they showed they deserve to win and they got the result. Obviously, the weird thing is Carlos Corbrand sending off in the first six minutes of the game, which so I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I've never seen anything like that and I'm sure
3: it helped, um, Saints massively. But, probably, yeah, we be... never will see anything like that either. No,
4: I mean, look in the end of the day, if the rules are the rules and then, then that's what's got to happen, but um, it was a stupid decision, a rush of the a blood to the head, I suppose. But I did want to just credit Russell Martin for some some tactical changes as well. I'm, I'm no expert, I don't fully understand the game, as I said before, but. There were some obvious things that he did and building up with Jack Stevens in a three. Um, so it was a four back in you know in defense, but when they're in possession, it was a three. And sort of the reason for that was West Brom always press as a two, and that meant you could just turn that to a three versus two at the back, and there's always an option to play out. Um, so you weren't giving the ball away like there were sometimes against City. And Shea Charles, the role of Shay Charles as well, he was um playing alongside Will Smallburn, but he wasn't the the sort of the midfield six. He was just hanging off to the right, actually playing in behind Carl Walker-Peters, and basically, Russell Martin has found a way to address the fact that both of the wingbacks had been getting caught behind over and over again uh, in the defeat at Bristol City. So two quick changes to the team, but um, given there was less than 72 hours to prepare for the game, um, really good from the staff.
3: Yeah, he said he'd had a sleepless night, didn't he? You kind of got the impression you'd been up studying it and, and kind of working out how to put it right. Steve, you were there. Russell Martin said this was our best win of the season. Was it up there for you? Would you agree?
5: Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's kind of our first, I think it's our first away game against anybody kind of even within vague touching distance of where we are. So yeah, I mean, and we've we've come out of it with what ended up being a very comfortable win. And I think that's that's on us. That we made it comfortable with the way that we played. First half could have been could have been two or three up before um before they had their little rally before half time. Um and second half, as Alfie said, the subs really wrestled back control after we kind of had had that little sort of 10 15 minute ragged spell and yeah once once we made those subs there was i don't think there was ever really any any doubt that we were going to win the game it was just a case of whether we'd get the second one to to make the last last period of the game a lot more comfortable for um for ourselves and yeah i mean the way the way they they worked that goal was was brilliant wasn't it lovely lovely little one and two touch uh, knockings in and around the penalty area four or five different players involved and yeah, clinical finishing, and it obviously shows that the uh, the hit that David Brooks took from the uh, Ashton Gate goalpost hasn't hasn't um, had too much lasting damage,
0: fortunately. <laughs> it was a world away from from Tuesday night, wasn't it, Glenn? Yeah, yeah, massively different. I mean, the the thing that obviously stood out from the Bristol City and Huddersfield games was how we managed to leak six goals mm. in those games, having been pretty sound defensively. I mean, the obvious thing is the is the fact that Flynn Downs is missing and uh, the amount of counter attacks that he stops at source. So against West Brom, we had to find answers to you know how to keep the back door shut basically without Flynn Downs being there. And the the tactical changes that Alfie's already mentioned, they certainly helped um, along with some real hard work by Will Smallbone to stay disciplined. In that position, um, he didn't get caught ahead of the ball hardly at all. You know, when he when he gets caught ahead of the ball, is is sort of lack of pace is is a problem getting back. And I, but I thought the hardest working player was Stuart Armstrong. Uh, I've never seen him work back to cover that much ground defensively because he was the one usually covering Jack Stevens when when he got caught ball watching or whatever or when he drifted slightly in field. He was also making sure that he was close to Smallbone, so smallbone didn't get isolated. And the the performances of Shea Charles and Stuart Armstrong were massively important to the midfield not getting overrun. So it was it was just a hell of a lot more compact in there. There was less there was less chaos. We had a little, as the lads have said, we had a little sort of 10-15 minute spell where West Brom seemed to work out a way to to hurt us, floating balls over the top of Jack Stevenson and, and getting him round the back, but um, but you know, I mean, the start of the second half was kind of it was it was kind of a non- non-event, really. I mean, we weren't in control, but I don't think they were really either. And not only did our, our subs improve our team, I think West Brom made a, a triple sub from the bowels of the stadium, wherever Corberan was at that particular time, and it, it seemed to make them worse. They didn't seem they they seemed to lose a certain amount and I wouldn't really usually mention a West Brom substitution but Jed Wallace's face when he got substituted was absolutely <laughs> perfect and as he used to play for them down the road I think it's I think it's worth mentioning it was just really funny seeing him sat on the bench with this um face like a bulldog he didn't look particularly happy about anything so, yeah they didn't, they didn't really so, have
5: any any depth did they off off the bench that none none of those subs
0: offered offered anything well really, Dean Garner is one of their Better attacking players just back from the Afcon, and he got the crossover. Which I think it was Yakuslu who had that header that Bazzunu saved, good save in the, the last few minutes. But but other than that, I think West Brom got weaker as the game went on, and 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 we got stronger. But it was a very very good performance from start to finish, and exactly what we uh, we needed to prove to Leeds Ipswich, Leicester, that we're you know we're not going to go away, we're not going to lose four games in a row. Mostly We're, Leeds fans, um, yeah, mostly <laughs> Leeds fans. I thought Leeds got promoted last Tuesday or whatever it was, but uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was a very important performance for you know for self confidence as well. You know, we we can go again after a setback. We don't have to lose four games every time. We can go again. We will go again. And uh, I think the the tactical tweaks that Russell Martin made made it a, an excellent performance all round.
3: Jack Stephens, Steve, when we saw him kind of shoehorned into the side before, it didn't really work, and I was kind of fearing the worst when I saw his name on the team sheet, uh, notwithstanding that we had conceded six goals in, in two games and something probably had to change. So it was interesting for him coming in at the other side, and as Elfie's kind of alluded to and, and indeed I think written about today, it it, it was a nice bit of fluidity at, at the back, and, uh, and and it worked.
5: Yeah, I mean, I was, I was surprised when, when it turned out he was he was lining up sort of left-hand side mm-hmm. because yeah I mean obviously he's he's played a lot at right back during his career and obviously Walker Peters has demonstrated he's more than capable on on the left-hand side so that felt like a more natural sort of order of things but of course what we did what we hadn't reckoned with was the this kind of sort of back three effectively that we were playing playing in possession which allowed um Walker Peters basically the freedom of the right-hand side um, while Ryan Fraser was was obviously causing plenty of trouble um, down the left, so yeah, I mean it's it wasn't. I don't I, I don't think many of us would have expected expected though, um, that change. I mean I, I know I mean, people have been whinging on that Ryan Manning supposedly had an absolute shocker on on Tuesday night, but I don't think he was. I didn't think he was any worse than anybody else. Quite frankly, his positioning is his positioning, and it's it's very clearly done deliberately there's there's it's not that ryan manning constantly gets caught in field he's clearly being told to to, to be there yeah. because otherwise he wouldn't be playing any games if he's completely disregarding um the manager's instructions all the time so yeah it was it was a surprise change unless there was unless there were fitness implications maybe but but no i mean stevens stevens largely did all right. i mean most of the first half was all right, apart from that. As as we've mentioned, that sort of slightly iffy ten minutes at the end of the first half, where they decided to switch the ball um, over to that side constantly. Um, it was the one the one kind of period where he didn't get an awful lot of support in front of him. Um, yeah, relatively briefly, so they were able to kind of overload a little bit. But other than the potential handball shout, which I mean, I've I've look, I've seen that penalty shout seven or eight times now, and I I still don't know. It's one of those where his arm is kind of into his body, but then it also seems to hit the other hand as well. And
0: yeah.
3: I th-
5: I think f- also from where the referee stood, I, I mean the ref's got no chance of seeing it.
0: No, it
3: would have he, had to have been he, the linesman, wouldn't it? Yeah, he he's, he's completely
5: blindsided. So he's he's relying on the on the linesman to give him um give him an indication. And I think if the linesman can't be certain, then Ultimately, you're not going to give it. if his, his arm is, as I say, is tucked into his body, and also from where the linesman stood, probably forty yards away. For all for all he knows, it could have come off his thigh and gone over. So I, yeah, I, I think people saying, "Oh, it's a nailed-on penalty, and it's an absolutely disgraceful decision." I think, frankly, it's not. Um, I, don't, I don't even. I don't even think VAR, if if it was in action, I don't. I don't think that would overturn that one. To be honest,
3: it would have taken them ten minutes. I'm sure. Well, yeah um, certainly. <laughs> I just want a, a quick word on the goals as well, Alfie. Obviously, um, Ryan Fraser's goal, one off the training ground, but um, one one from um, a Premier League match last weekend, potentially.
4: Yeah, he did say that um, maybe Matt Gill had watched the Newcastle game, and there's no there's no shame in that You, say, you see something that works in a Premier League game, then take it. I mean. It requires a bit of quality, isn't it? And Stuart Armstrong yeah. provides that. Um, so it's just a very simple short pass from Shea Charles. And then he whips it right across the defence and Ryan Fraser's there. And he's so good at that, um, that finish cross goal, isn't he? He was right there and just sort of placing it into the far corner. Um, but the second goal as well, I mean, they're both brilliant bits of quality. Yeah. Samadozi and Joe Reba both involved in the, the second goal, obviously with David Brooks finishing it. And I love the way that he just, he sees the ball coming to him. He takes one touch to so that absolute power it past the defender. And then from there, it's such an easy finish for him. Um, and it really sealed the win and first for David Brooks. And hopefully it'll be the first of quite a few this season.
3: You kind of forget, don't you, um, Steve, that Brooks actually hasn't played that many games. We, we, he had a great start when he came on. Obviously he played that cup game for for Bournemouth as well. It's it, it's still going to take him a little while to, to get up to speed.
5: Yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, much like Ryan Fraser at the start of the season, I don't think the, the aim would have ever been that he's going to be playing 90 minutes, hmm. um, even anytime soon, really. But you know that he's got the energy to do half an hour of that, and the quality that he's got, he's far better than most in the division at, at doing mm. what he does. And he retains possession. He runs at runs at players. He's he creates space. He's got got the eye for the pass through um, that we saw last Saturday against Huddersfield. That he can play play that sort of little um, blind pass through. Kind of through a through the eye of a needle, really, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's just absolutely ridiculous levels of um, depth that we've got in in those in those attacking areas when everyone's available, and when you see when you're bringing um, Suleimana off the bench as well, when you're bringing Joe Aribo, it's yeah, I mean how. Ultimately that you kind of look at it and you think, well, how do how do other championship sides compete with the teams that have got parachute payments? Yeah. Because I mean Ipswich are completely bucking the trend because frankly none of the other sides are anywhere anywhere near the us Leicester and Leeds.
3: I just want to talk about Arebo as well, Glenn, just back from the AFCON, um, straight into the squad. Uh, he would have played on the Sunday night, wasn't it? And then travels back uh, and comes on and, and puts a shift in. Uh, it would have been quite easy for him to say, oh, you know, I'm not ready or I haven't. Um, we did, we only got back recently and he, he seemed to be up for it and, and did also contribute to that goal as well.
0: Well, to be brutally honest, he didn't play much for Nigeria in the, in the, <laughs> the tournament. No, he didn't, you know. He had, he was getting five minutes here or there. Like yeah, one game yeah. he came on, he came on the ninety-first minute. And obviously, he would have been training out there, and he he'd have had the the travelling home, which is obviously tiring. But I d- I don't know when he got home. Um, the final just was a surprise Sunday, to see it, him
3: in the in the squad. Actually, I just thought I no, I wasn't at all. I think Russell Martin
0: him. said Russell Martin said before the Bristol City game yeah, that he would be available yeah. for so Arriba was obviously back in the country at that point. I'd have thought. So maybe late Monday, early Tuesday. So um, no, well, I wasn't really surprised to, to see him out there. And he, my, my problem with Joe Rebo has always has always been he's he's looked incredibly casual at times, but he didn't look casual at all when he came on. He he, he, he came on. And it's like I want to get my place back in the team. I'm going to show you what I can do, which is exactly what you want off the bench. <laughs> you want players to come on and make a difference. So um, you know we've had a, a number of games this year where players have come on. And the level of the team has gone up, and and that's and that's exactly exactly what you want. I mean, when you think about it, on paper at that particular time, we had a midfield three of Smallbone, Arebo, and Stuart Armstrong, and you're thinking there ain't a lot of defensive nous in there. Mm. But he carried on doing the role that Shay Charles was doing, and um, they didn't rain Walker Peters in really at that point. It was um, so Arebo came in and did the same thing, and he he. He added energy, which is not something that you'd ever <laughs> accuse a repo of doing before. But uh, no, I thought he was excellent when he came on and, and you know, being away with Nigeria and having, having the run to the final, even though he didn't actually play that much. It, it's probably been good for him uh, mentally to go and do that. And uh, yeah, he's come back come back refreshed, I guess. And we've, uh, it's like signing a new player, really.
4: This isn't new information, but being able to bring on people like him, David Brooks, Sam Mendozzi, when you, you haven't even got Flynn Downs and Chairham's in the squad, mm. um, it's an absolutely ridiculous group of players to be able to call on. So it's going to be interesting to see what starting eleven we end up with on um, on Tuesday.
3: Yeah, which we will get onto in just a moment. I want to do a uh, TSP Player of the Week as well. Just a quick one, though. It's uh, Leeds versus Leicester on Friday. And I'm trying to work out what the best possible outcome for us is. Have you been looking at this, Steve? If you draw, uh, I think. You, I'm, you I'm draw kind, two I'm, points I'm, to go missing again.
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of settling on a draw for that one. I mean, part of me thinks Leeds winning keeps Leicester in touch, and I because I still think they're catchable. Hmm. But the problem, if you if Leeds beat Leicester again, then all of a sudden, I mean, you you know what they're like. They'll be they'll be chirping till the cows come home. Which which might might be fine. I mean, lull them into a into a false sense of security. But I, I think beating beating the um, League leaders again would would give them the confidence to kind of go on, a, keep going on this on this handy run they're on. So I think clipping clipping their wings slightly um, while keeping both of them in touch, and as you say, a point goes missing yeah. um, with a draw. So I think that's probably probably the best. But ultimately, you can you can make a case for any of the, any of the three um, any of the three results. It's like, well, okay, well we've we've gained gained on one of the two teams at least.
3: Well, I'm sure the Leeds fans that are watching now will be uh, putting their predictions into the, uh, into the comments. So uh, <laughs> let, let, let's see how you think that one's going to work out. Let's do just Player of the Week then before we uh, we wrap up the review. Alfie, who stood out for you? Uh, there was a few, really.
4: Yeah, I mean, you can probably make a case for quite a few players because even people like Sekumara did sort of you know what was expected of them yeah. in sort of coming in and, and playing back to goal quite a few times. But I think that you could probably put all three of these down. I'd say Stuart Armstrong, definitely. Jan Bednar, I Can Taylor Harbelis as well, but I'll
3: say Stuart Armstrong. Stu Armstrong. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Steve. Uh, yeah, Stu was a standout for me
5: in a in a team of excellent performances. But I think, given that it was his, I think it was his first league start this season, was it for Mara? And he led the line superbly. I thought he was he was always involved. He was showing strength against um, against their big centre backs. He was able to hold hold the ball up and and bring players in into play on the handful of occasions we we had to go kind of bypass the midfield a little bit. Um, he ran the channels. He had good little interplay with with his teammates. And yeah, I think I kind of wonder whether that that sort of performance against decent opposition is kind of maybe a maybe a breakout breakout performance for him. We'll see. Yeah.
0: Fingers crossed. Uh Glenn, any other names to add to that list? Um i just like to say on Sekumara, his role in the first goal can't be understated because he's got himself in exactly the right yeah. place to um hmm. and he's he's done it without fouling him because he's just stood there.
4: That's yes, a great point. You know,
0: it, it was not a foul; just was standing there. That was, it was he obviously had that role assigned to him on the on the training ground when they were working out that free kick, and he he's, he's carried it out superbly without even getting close to committing a foul, which is why it was so pathetic that West Brom were. Co- I mean, they were complaining about everything from when the manager got sent off, which was referee had to make that decision. And yeah. I'd like to think, going off piste a little bit here, but I'd like to think the Stevens. Handball shout. I'd love to think part of that was cry wolf. The referee just got so fed up with West Brom moaning at him from the from the moment Corberan got sent off. He just thought, "Well, I'm not even not even remotely going to give that." Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd love to think that was the case. Um, but well, the ref I, had I, a good I game, he, to be honest. I, I there, he did There as weren't, well. there, there weren't he that many
5: there weren't that many decisions to give. But I mean, the penalty you can't you can't see. And as we say, I mean, you could you could stick hundred people in the room, and I think you'd get fifty one forty nine either way. I don't mm. think you just—I yeah. don't think you get agreement on it. So fair enough.
0: Yeah, but back to the original question. Apart from those mentioned, I just got to say, David Brooks. I think yeah. because that yeah. was—I was, mean, we all know his—we all know his story, and it, you know, it is slightly jarring in some mm. respects getting a player on loan from Bournemouth. But he—he he, he is so good, and it was just a lovely moment when he scored that goal. I just thought he just really felt it was a sort of great moment for him, and, great celebration um, as
4: well. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's just just a, re- a really good moment, and I liked his. Um, I don't know if everyone saw the Russell Martin interview at the end where he uh, Brooks apparently said to him, "The you wanted to kill me when I gave the ball away." After that, yeah. and uh, yeah, so he, he's you know he's he's obviously a guy that's um, just just here to enjoy uh, to enjoy his football, and that's that's what he's doing at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, I'll go with Water David up, Brooks. No. Good, nice.
3: Now, it's another two-game week at St Mary's. Hull City are the visitors on Tuesday night. So I'm pleased to say that to uh, help us preview this one, Ant is with us, uh, Ant Northgraves from the To Hull and Back podcast. Uh, welcome back. Uh, good to see you, Ant. I know we caught up uh, back in October, I think, wasn't it? There's been a, a lot of football that's been played there. Let's just talk about the weekend. You left it late.
6: We did. We did very late. Um, that's probably the the favourite goal we've scored for, <laughs> that I've celebrated in a long time. Um, yeah, we've 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 got a habit at the minute of of going going in front end games and then having a, a second half of biting your nails and and being under the cosh a bit. So um, I don't I'm 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 not sure that that tactical work at Saint Mary's. So I'm hoping that we've gone. A, uh, maybe a bit more positive <laughs> instead of trying to hold on to one 0 leads because it's jarring as a fan.
3: I mean, you've had a couple of tough games against teams that have been fighting at the bottom, and mm. I mean, you've you've come out with with the points. But um, they, these, and I think we have found the same sort of thing. Some of the, the teams that are perhaps in and around the relegation zone are, are, are more of a challenge than you would think.
6: Yeah, they are. I mean, they're, they're they're going to be really physical and try and impose themselves on the game. And we've we've you know well documented a, a very big January bringing in a lot of a lot of quality players for this especially at this level but you know these these players are flair players you know they're exciting players you look at your Zorari's your Fabio Cavalio's players like that um going away to Rotherham and Huddersfield are teams that are fighting for their lives I mean Rotherham are pretty much dead and buried let's be honest but come, someone like f- f- for Fabio Cavalio to go to Huddersfield and get you know every time he touches the ball someone's pressing him putting you know that physicality onto him he, it, it, these kind of players will struggle with that so it's a good job that we've got you know a bit of spine in the side like Jacob Greaves and players are Regan Slater that they've that, that been there done that and they're they're all right with the physicality because you've got to find that balance in the squad and obviously with these new players coming in in January it's 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 about finding that balance now and, and getting them settled.
3: Were you happy with all the the new additions uh, and the the players that came in was it was it a good window some good business done? Yeah yeah no really happy
6: I mean some of these players it's 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 pretty unbelievable really that we've managed to recruit them and bring them to all city you know especially <laughs> with the teams that that they're being well, that we was in competition with. I think, um, you know, players like Fabio Cavallio could have gone to a Premier League side, He could have gone to Leeds. Anna Arori, you know, won the title with Burnley last season. I think he had over 10, 10 goal contributions from the wing. Ivor Panda, um, uh, I'm not going to pretend to know much about. Um, goalkeeper that we brought in, I think he's one for the future. But, you yeah, know, uh, Ryan Giles as well. I mean, he's, what, 20-odd assists in two seasons. And we've not had a natural left-back fit all season, which has been, like, the problem position for us all season. So it was it was a really good bit of business to bring him in and you just feel like we've sort of littered the side well I I said on my episode that it feels like we aimed for the top 10 this season and we've got ourselves into a position where we can realistically try and get into the top six and Mm. I think the owners have turned around to Rosinha and gone I know we're a year or two ahead of schedule but do you fancy going for it and Rosinha being the guy he is has gone yeah absolutely and they've backed him this window and and pretty much done a bit of a Hail Mary to try and get into the top six this season.
3: It's going to be tight around there isn't it because what are you eighth at the moment I think level on points with Coventry and, and Norwich who are sixth and seventh and, and like a point on Tuesday and you're you're back into the top six so you're you're certainly there or thereabouts but it's it's going to go down to the wire.
6: Yeah I mean it's it's mad because like the top four are just in a league of their own um, so realistically you know there's, there's I think from fifth to about 15th um, are all vying for those final two playoff positions so it's going to be Whichever side can keep the, the the most consistency can keep their best players fit. I mean, Coventry to me look like the most likely side to sort of um, get a crash that top six because they've just gone on one of those late season runs that you always see in the Championship where they come from nowhere and end up finishing in the top six. So I think Coventry, West Brom, us, and um, uh, Norwich at the minute I think are probably the ones that are vying for those last two spaces. But Preston have appeared out of nowhere again after yeah. looking they were falling. Out. It's, it's, it's a crazy season, so. It's just going to be who can grind out those results now. What is it, like 14, 15 games left? Just um, just try and stay in these big... I mean, we've got a huge month, a really, really tough month of fixtures this month. So let's see where we are at the end of this one um, and 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 go from there, really.
3: Glenn, I'm going to ask you to cast your mind back to October and that game. 2-1, um, I mean, we left it late, didn't we? That was uh, Ryan Fraser with the with the winner at the end, but that was, that was proper late. We went through that kind of phase. There was a couple of games, wasn't there, where we weren't scoring until about five minutes to go.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think even back then we saw Hull away as a you know before they signed all the players, we saw Hull away as a very tough place to go to. So to get that win in the last minute was was um, you know was a brilliant three points and probably a, a two point bonus on what we actually expected at the um, at the start of the day. You know, a back then we didn't quite have the, the sort of style of play nailed down. I don't think. There was a bit of uh, to and froing with team selections and whatnot, but uh, that seemed to be the start of the uh, the sort of Ryan Fraser wee man cult yeah. starting because that was that was when he he started coming to the fore, coming off the bench and um, and and basically winning points for us left, right, and centre. So uh, I I expect Hull to be better than they were back then, but then so are we. So it's um, whether whether it has much relevance to the. Um, to the game on uh, whatever day it's on, I lose track Tuesday, these days. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday, whether it's got, whether it's got any relevance to that, I I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, the last the last game was fairly even, I think, from what I remember. If you know b- before we scored the late winner, if you if you had to pick a team that probably shade, you know, just about shaded it, it was probably us. But um, but I think you know Hull uh, Hull seem to have. I, you know, I know Liam de Liam de Lapp, I think he's injured at the moment, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, so, so with him I don't and know me, he's due back. the likes of you know Philogene. A very dangerous attack inside. So I I was I was more Both worried Billy about Sharp. <laughs> Billy Sharp. Yeah, Billy he's, he's, you know, Sharp. He's about as old as me, but he's <laughs> uh, yeah, he's He's, uh, he's still, still around, goal for, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And fair play, fair play to him. So I, I was more worried about Hull from a from an attacking sense than I am a lot of the teams that we've we've played against. Um, I, you know, so Hull is someone who, are a team who I think could score goals against us. Whereas some of the other teams we play, you look up, you look at their forwards and think, now nah, there's not a lot there. But uh, with Hull, it's different. So it will be an interesting challenge to uh, to see if we can keep it as tight as we did against West Brom, because you know you've got these line of three players in Philogene, Carvalho, Zorori behind Billy Sharp, I noticed in your last game. Um and they're gonna take some watching. So it's it's gonna be an interesting game.
3: How will you approach the game on Tuesday night and is it um have they been able to kinda of like rotate the squad a little bit because like us we've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So is there a pretty settled starting eleven at the moment, or do you think there might be a, a few changes from the weekend and then with a view to another game on, on Saturday?
6: I think he 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 felt like he's got a starting eleven that he's happy with, but I think realistically, I mean, like we say, Billy Sharp's been starting games, and I think he started probably more games than he expected to when signing. I'm I'm pretty sure his role was meant to be come off the bench and score. You know, if if we're desperate of a goal in the last ten minutes of a game, kind of player. But with the injury to Liam Delap and then Aaron Connolly got absolutely flatlined by Angus Gunn, so he had to have a few weeks off with um, concussion protocol. Um, and then we signed Noah Ohio on loan from Standard Liège because of the striker issue that we had. So um, he's not been starting, I think, because he's so new. Um, but he's looked really promising when he's come on. And I think a lot of the fans are clamoring for him to start because he's a very fast um, and physical striker, Ohio. And I've, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. So I think there's a lot of fans that would prefer him to start, obviously, from Sharp because, you know, let's be honest, he's 38 years old now. He's, his goal-scoring day is probably... A, a uh, 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 behind him at this level. Uh, not to say that he's obviously not lost that that finishing touch, but we aren't getting the ball to to the positions where he needs to be, and we're asking him to play deeper. And I don't think that's his game. You know, you, if you're going to play Billy Sharp, he needs to be in the box, and we we need our sort of middle striker to drop deep and try and link the. Link the attack and bring the wingers into the game, and he struggles to do that obviously because he's not as quick as he used to be. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of fans are climbing for Ohio to start. I think Omer, uh, the, the the Turkish lad we signed in January, whenever he's come on, he's looked really positive. He was a cracking ball for Greaves's winner against Huddersfield on the weekend. Um, I think he should he's probably due a start, and Cavallo has been quite underwhelming, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Um, dropped to the bench against Southampton last couple of games he's really struggled with the physicality I mean Southampton probably aren't going to be as physically imposing as Rotherham and Huddersfield where trying to bully us on the ball I think it's going to be similar to what it was in the MKM where it's two teams that want to pass the ball and get and exploit space on each other and, and be a bit of an end-to-end game so yeah I, I, I feel like he's got a couple of decisions to make in, in most positions I think Seri's back available now after the AFCON as well obviously he won AFCON with the Ivory Coast so I think he had an extra game off I don't know if he's saving him for Southampton. We all expected him to be in the squad for Rotherham, but he wasn't uh, for Huddersfield. Sorry, so he he will probably go straight back into the starting eleven alongside Morton. But other than that, he's pretty much a settled starting eleven now. I think that barring Liam Delap, we've probably got our full strength um, squad for the first time in weeks. That's not really what we want to hear, is
3: it? But <laughs> do you think <laughs> Steve, do you think there's a bit of added pressure because it's the game in hand? Because this is the one that got moved for the, the FA Cup, wasn't it? Of course, Leeds managed to get really? their game in. So this is the we've been able to say, well, we've got the game in hand, we've got the game in hand, and we won't be able to do that on uh, Wednesday morning.
5: Well, at the end of the day, if we've won it, then it won't be a problem. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's and that's, that's, the answer. <laughs> that's ultimately that's ultimately the way the the way to look at it. And we've won what, eleven in a row at home now? So, I mean you've got to be going into every home game. It doesn't ultimately it doesn't matter who who it's against. And actually looking down who we've got left to play at home, it's mostly I mean, obviously most teams are below us, but it's mostly teams sort of below sort of tenth and below. Mm. So home games are kind of got to be our bread and butter when everybody is keeping up the insane uh, pace that the top four is. Um I mean you're looking at currently the team in fourth. At current rate are going to get 95 points which is absolutely ludicrous mm. so there there can be no let up unfortunately you don't get you don't get to kind of throw in kind of sort of oh, half assed is probably the wrong word but just a game where you're not fully up at the sort of at the races as we were on tuesday at, at bristol city so it's it's another one where you've got to go you got to go full steam ahead but also what we do have as we've obviously mentioned a lot this season is the strength in depth off the bench and that where you where we can go full pelt for an hour with the starting 11 make three or four changes and continue to go at full pelt without affecting the quality of the of the 11 on the pitch which is something uh, as i say most most of the teams in the in the division don't have most of the teams can do an hour to seventy minutes, and then you're having to make changes for fatigue reasons. But the players you're bringing on are naturally not going to be not going to be quite as good. Um, I mean, Hull's whole, whole depth, looking you know, from what from what Ant said, does seem to be a little bit deeper than certainly deeper than it was when we played them back in October. But it's still you would still expect that as as the home team, as the form team, that that we're going to be mostly on the front foot and. But it's it's one where ultimately actually Hull's whole style of play where they where they like to be open. Um Resenia is is very much of the same uh sort of mindset as as Russell Martin really, in that he wants he wants to dominate the ball, he wants to be on the front foot and attacking. And I mean it's it should be entertaining, but I, I do kind of think that might play into our hands, especially at St Mary's.
3: Do you think Flynn Downs will be back in on Tuesday, Alfie? There was, uh, well, we were hoping he'd be starting on Friday because it was almost like it was going to be a catastrophe if he didn't. Uh, it turns out it was okay in the end. We might have come up with a solution for, for the games that he can't play, but I'm sure that Russell Martin would hope to have him back on Tuesday, maybe.
4: Yeah, I'll be honest, when um, the Saints media team came in at about quarter past six on Friday, they told me that Cheyenne Flynn hadn't travelled, but I wasn't able to report it and I was a little bit worried. Um, I don't know, as you know, so i I think he said that they were very close for Friday's game and like, we don't know how honest he's being because he could just be trying to make sure that West Brom prepare for all opportunities. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to think he'll be back and, and, and if he is back, Flynn, he'll come straight back in. I'm pretty sure of that. There, what there will be is there, there will be a focus on aggression and intensity, I think, because what Russell Moyne was so let down by on Tuesday at Bristol City was, um, you know, I think that just the lack of aggression, the lack of intensity and he. Felt sorry for that because he didn't make the point enough after Saturday's game against Huddersfield where they sort of got away with it because of a, a brilliant second half. He then didn't make the point to the players that they just weren't intense, weren't aggressive enough in the first half and then that hangover and that carried on into the following week. So I think they'll they'll be right up for it on um, Tuesday. I don't think there'll be any complacency. I think there'll be a nice sort of kick up the arse they've had in this really tough week, ready ahead of two home games. My, I'm intrigued to see what the eleven will be because mm. you know the team on Friday was designed specifically for West Brom. Um, you know, does Ryan Manning come back in? And that means Jack Stevens coming out, which will be a tough decision for Russell Martin to make because he's he's wanted to get Jack Stevens in for so long, he's come in and done so well. But would it make more sense to face a whole team which will probably try and be expansive themselves and try and play football with a team that has a, a Ryan Manning in and is slightly more as, I don't know. Forward focus is the wrong word because they they were forward focused on on Friday, but I think you know what I mean. So mm. I'm intrigued to see the eleven. I think that if they're both available, I would put Cheredem's and Flim Downs both back in. But I can see the argument for sort of keeping Sekumara there. But maybe that's something we can discuss.
3: Yeah, I was going to suggest about um, Sekumara. I know Glenn, you mentioned him slightly when we were doing the the, the preview just now. But did, did he do enough for you? Would you 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 keep him in, in that number nine? Because that's what we were talking about uh, in previous weeks, wasn't it? Taking that opportunity.
0: I think he's better at number nine than Adam Armstrong is. Mm, yeah. So if that's, it with Che Adams being injured at the moment, I would, yeah, I was I was quite happy with, with Mara's performance, the same as Steve was um, against West Brom. Mm. So I, I would leave him there, if, if for nothing else, to enable Adam Armstrong to play on the right-hand side where he's at his best. So, I mean, he, he may want to bring David Brooks back into the team in which case Adam Armstrong will be centre-forward. But I, I certainly think whilst Mara didn't set the world alight, he didn't stink the place out either. Yeah. So, and, and And I do think the balance of the side looks better with either Mara or Adams playing up the middle or Ross Stewart remember him I'll keep <laughs> mentioning him just in case everyone's forgotten we him we forget him
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. let's get some score predictions for Tuesday and how do you see this one uh, another 2-1 maybe because that seems to be the uh, the popular result at the moment how do you see this one playing out
6: uh, yeah it's good I'm, I'm wearing under no illusion how tough this game's going to be I think it's Probably done us a favour that this was rescheduled from when it was originally meant to be played because we had hardly any players uh, when we were meant True. to play it a few weeks ago. Um, injuries and AFCON and everything like that, we had like no players whatsoever. So it got rescheduled, obviously, and now we've got all our players in and it seems like we've got a stronger side. So I'm a bit more optimistic than I would have been, but we 100% would would be happy with the point from this game. I mean, look at the form that Southampton are in, the one loss in, in nearly 30 or something like that. It's crazy the amount of, of, of quality that's at the top of this league for, from the four teams up there. So... And any points from, from your grounds would be good. So I'm going to say, I'm going to be optimistic because I'm liking the resolve uh, and the, the defensive structure in the side at the minute. And I do feel like that the attacking potential of this team will click eventually. And I feel like this is the game for some of these big players like the Cavaliers and the Zoris that have been a little bit underwhelming at the minute to really step up and and, and make a claim. Um, and, and like you say, big players win uh, big games. Mm. Uh, and and, and this, is, this is one of those. So I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and go 1-1. One, one. One one, right? Okay, Steve.
5: Just had a quick look down Hull's recent results, and basically every game is decided by one goal. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one that was that was a bigger margin was New Year's Day, where they somehow contrived to lose three one at Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> um, not, not, quite, not quite sure. How we were he against that twelve one.
6: men on that day, though. To be fair, nah,
5: Tens, tends to happen. Yeah, I. I mean, I think it's weird. I think it'll be open, but I think it'll be it'll be a tight scoreline. Um, so I think it's going to be an entertaining game. Um, I'm still not wholly convinced that we've solved the defensive issues on the on the strength of one performance, mm-hmm. but we've obviously still got goals in us. So um, yeah, three two, three two, win. 3 two, yes.
3: entertaining game.
0: Glenn, uh, not quite as entertaining as that. Um, I I I feel that a lot of what will happen is that these two teams will cancel each other out to a degree. Um, I think it'll be quite. Quite tight, and I think it might be one of those games where we kind of edge it, but we come away thinking, "Yeah, that was that was tight. We could just as easily have lost that." Mm. But I, I think the momentum is with us at the moment. Um, I do think Hull will be better than they were in the first game, but I think we will be as well. So uh, I'll go for a, a, a two-one win. I think I can't see I can't see Hull not scoring, as as Steve just said. I think that um, we we will get caught. Flynn Downs will make a difference if he is if he is fit but uh, I I feel that this is a game where it's going to be very very difficult to keep a clean sheet so I'll go for a 2-1 win
3: okay and Alfie to complete the set
4: yeah, did anyone go for a win against West Brom or do we all go for draws or, or losses? Uh, I don't, I don't uh, think draw, any of was were that draws, confident, were we? No,
3: I don't think anybody picked up yeah, yeah, nice no, fair
4: enough. I, um,
5: I, I actually even went further and put some money when I saw the lineup, I put a, of course. uh put a tenner on a home win just to cover just to cover myself in the hopeful reverse jinx, and obviously it worked. So uh.
4: happy days. Um, I will see. go through all the above reasons that they've named. I would say 2-1 Saints, but I realised I forgot, I wanted to mention that uh, I think speaking of putting a tenner on when you see the lineup, I think Jad Bednarek is nailed on for a booking this week um, on Tuesday oh, because yeah. it'll mean he misses Millwall and Birmingham um, for a two-match suspension for getting 10 yellow cards in the Championship. But it'll mean he can play against Liverpool in, in the midweek stay fit, and he won't miss any of the games, like Leicester, for example, if he gets booked a bit later on. um, That doesn't reset the 10 bookings until 37 game weeks in the Championship. So I think he's nailed on for a booking on Tuesday.
3: Okay, well, bet responsibly, kids. And uh, just (laughs) just bear in mind that we are nearly always almost wrong. So, uh, Ant, thanks for coming on, mate. (laughs) Um, Thanks for that. Uh, Best of luck with the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, enjoy Tuesday night. Cheers, Ant. Yeah, cheers for having me on, lads. Good luck. No worries. Thank you uh, and joining us there uh, to preview that game. Uh, a couple of bits before we finish. I just wanted to get the uh, little update, if you don't mind, Alfie, on the the, the Jason Wilcox thing, because this kind of like came out of the blue on Tuesday uh, or Wednesday, wasn't it? We were talking about it on Thursday night, pod mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and then obviously we've had another press conference since then, and he was asked about it after the game as well. Um, it seems like it might not be as done a deal as some outlets were making it out to be.
4: Well, it's certainly not a done deal. It's, it's far from a done deal. But we knew that on Thursday as well, to be fair, because um, the club and Russell Martin were very clear that no approach has been made. Um, Man United may well be interested in Jason Wilcox, but um, Russell then told us on Friday after the game that he'd gone and spoken to both Phil Parsons and Jason Wilcox themselves, and he, they both reassured him that there's absolutely nothing in it. Um, but obviously, you know, the same with anything that might well change over the course of the year. But hopefully what it means is that Jason Wilcox is... Um, Enjoying the opportunity, he's been given a big chance. He's the the main guy here. He's you know fully running the project, and obviously at Man United that'll be slightly different. He'd be a small, you know, smaller part mm-hmm. of the team. Um, but yeah, right now Russell Martin says there's nothing in it, um, so sort we of have to wait and see.
3: Does that change anything for you, Glenn, or do you still think you know it, it might end up just going at the end of the,
0: the season if they want him? It just it just increases my irritation. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the way outlets like the Athletic and operate now. It's just tabloid. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just tabloid, and and David Ornstein and the likes of Fabrizio Romano. You used to be able to believe everything they said, and and now it just seems to be like they're a they're a story for hire um, to try and help out whatever rumor the big clubs want spreading around. It, it, oh, so it's all it's
5: all just, client client journalism, isn't it? With yeah, just get clicks onto their onto their sites. Yeah.
0: Client journalism is one one phrase for it. There's, there's a few others I can think of, but yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not very impressed with the way it it goes about. But that's you know we've just got to shrug our shoulders and and move on. I I hope Jason Wilcox is um, is inclined to sort of like be, be excited by the project he's got here and the responsibility he's got here with kind of overall control of everything to uh, to want to keep doing it. But as Steve very eloquently put last week, it, it's it's just a job for these guys, you know. And he's got no real affiliation to Southampton other than that they gave him the, the you know, this um, this opportunity to have to have this role. So if he um, if, if Manchester United are, are firm in their interest, I'd, I'd be very surprised still if if, if he turned it down. But it, it it just annoys me that it you know it's in it's in the papers for everyone to read, and the that you then get the avalanche of um, social media because it is one of the huge clubs that you're, you're dealing with. And it, it's all designed to um, to sort of like put pressure on and, and make sure that, you know, the person in question knows all about it. I mean, you've only got to think back to when Virgil van Dyke joined Liverpool. It was all through social media and through... Hashtag free Virgil. <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, I don't know if you remember back, back to that at the time. It, it seems like every ex-Liverpool player that there ever was is working in the media somewhere. And everyone was giving their opinion. Oh, they should let him go. Yeah, yeah free Virgil and all the and all this stuff. And it, it's just it's just nauseating when you're a club like us. And it, it it always seems like you know you're doing well. You can't you can't have nice things. <laughs> we've we've got to we've got to take this away from you and uh, and give it to one of the. Uh, the, the, the super wealthy clubs. No one was sniffing around Ruben Sellers last year. were <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So I suppose, I suppose it's uh, it's an indication that you, you're doing well, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop it. Even though we've seen it a hundred times before. And especially when you're you're my age, you've seen it a hundred times yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't become any less annoying, um, but yeah, it is, it is what it is. We just got to, just got to hope that either the, the interest doesn't actually materialize or that, um, You know, Wilcox really likes the project he's got here and he wants to stick with it.
3: He might get himself a nice pay rise at the end of this season,
0: anyway, the way things are going. Yeah, maybe.
3: Yeah, who knows? Um, Good win as well for the women's team today, Steve. 2 1 at um, at Birmingham. It's it's looking tight at the top of that table. Uh, I think Alfie's at the table. It's it's absolutely crazy.
5: Yeah, I think it's. Four or five points between the between the top five, and even if Palace win their game in hand, we'll only be a maximum of three off the top. So, yeah, huge win today against Birmingham, who beat us in the in the reverse game. It's been slightly odd this season. Actually, our our away form's been really good. Um, It's the home form against against the sides around us that's been a little bit ropey. Obviously, lost to Palace last week. um, Previously, lost to lost to Sunderland, I think, at home and Blackburn as well. So it's it's been yeah, it's been been a frustrating um sort of up and down league season, but we're still in there fighting. Mm. Um and yeah, having got the win today, we're obviously off up to um Sunderland um next week which yeah another huge game they they some they somehow stayed above us when they were they were three two down to lewis with in the 95th minute and somehow won the game which is fairly wild so um yeah still still below them but yes in in touch and
3: still in with a chance which is all we can ask for at this stage of the season I guess thanks for watching thank you for listening this week Um, that's pretty much it Uh, don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on all the social media platforms if you want to find us there it's at Total Saints Pod Uh, we post loads of stuff on TikTok as well at the moment so uh, give us a little follow on there and as I mentioned at the start of the pod we've got the new merch shop the the store which you can check out the address for that is shop.totalsaints.co.uk you'll also find us on Patreon that's where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution it's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast. There's four different tiers on there. They range from £5 to £20 per month. And each of the tiers comes with different perks, including some shout outs for the patrons in the Francis Benali and the Mick Shannon tier. So to that end, thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron, Nikki Nicholson, Southampton NY, Drew Dyer, James Kibby, and Mike E. They're all in our Francis Benali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernst Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Nick Reed, Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrup, Matt Hall and Mark Littlewood, who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Alfie. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We're going to see you again on Wednesday night. So make a little note for the calendar Wednesday night, uh, the next TSP at 7.15. So we'll see you then.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.